not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. But did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Tara, our guest, film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. It's Ben Gleeb. It is January 12th, 2017, in the year of all of our lords, depending which lord you have. That's the year that it is for him if he goes by the Christian calendar. Because other lords sometimes don't have to create their own calendar. It's a burden. And now all of a sudden you're in charge of time. And that's a responsibility some lords aren't looking for. Some lords want to take it easy. Some lords enjoy being able to let time pass on the count of other gods and then just kick it and like control certain stuff like floods or football games. So that's up to your individual God and his workload and his work ethic and how much he's willing to take on on a Lord-by-Lord Lord basis. Uh, how you doing, Brain Trust? This episode is coming to you from Tampa, Florida. And as you know, my storied relationship with Florida on this podcast, it is uh, pretty clear already. This episode will be batshit. Shit. This episode will be batshit crazy. Perfect line for my entire recording and video rig to fall down onto the ground because it's Florida and shit go banana here. And that's obvious to everybody who's ever been to Florida, read a story about Florida, or just imagined America's penis having all of the strangeness of the country drain into the peninsula of horror that is the state I'm currently in, which reminds me I have shows uh, tonight and tomorrow night at side splitters comedy club here in good old tampa florida so please come out if you can survive the meth infused alligator attack um if you want to picture what it's like walking through florida streets picture a huge sinkhole in the ground and then several uh human slash zombie looking people who are high on bath salts riding on the back of an alligator coming towards you with an aggression but also kind of a friendly down home southern vibe and that is florida in a nutshell for you um, it's been a weird day here. I've been here two days, actually. Slept through the first one, just on account of trying to keep myself safe and out of the Floridian elements. But today, this morning, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., I had to get picked up to go to morning media to promote my gigs for the Laugh It Off Tour, which is the decision I made of the tour name since we last spoke. It will be called the Laugh It Off Tour. Thank you for your feedback on Twitter and on the Instagram. Uh, Laugh It Off Tour because this world is bananas. This year is going to be bananas. You can already tell. And also because um, I'm in Florida and already things are happening on a moment-by-moment -moment basis that you have to laugh off. Otherwise, you will go banana. Uh, get picked up at 7 a.m. for an 8 a.m. gig. 8 a.m. radio appearance on the Mike Kelta show. So I ask the guy from the club picking me up, why so early of a pickup? Uh, is it an hour drive? He goes, no, about a 20-minute drive, but you never know what might happen. 
And I'm like, okay, seems overly cautious. No other city's ever done that. And almost on cue to prove that what happens in Florida will catch you off guard. That moment while going 80 on the highway, his tire shreds, front right tire, and we have to pull over to the right lane from the left. And the thing is down to its uh, metal thing on the inside of the tire, word of which I'm unfamiliar with on account of not being super versed in car parts. Uh, the rim, boom. No, but not the rim, the base of it. Anyway, the point is scary. Car is speeding by. He jacked the thing up, changed it in 11 minutes while I was very helpful uh, uh, doing all I can to Instagram story clips of it. We then get to the radio station. The sound goes haywire two times in my ears and goes to the world's loudest volume possible that I literally had to throw it off of my head two different times. Then they pull a prank on me where they were playing uh, train horns under my desk. So now I'm wondering if the headphones thing was on purpose, which makes Florida seem even crazier that the hosts are fucking with you, something that no other city's radio hosts do. And then we get in the car try to exit the radio station to head to the TV station to do Morning Blend in Tampa Bay. And as I am heading towards the uh, road, being driven by Matt from the club, a huge light pole had just fallen down. Someone apparently drove onto the side of the road, knocked over 40 things, street signs, newspaper stands, and a huge light pole. Uh, cops made us go around. So we turn around and we um, head around to the TV station that way, go there. Mark Price, Skippy from Family Ties was there. That's weird in and of itself. Great guy, known him for a long time, but you don't run into Skippy every morning, especially in Tampa, Florida. Then we get back in, finally almost back safely at the hotel, have to turn around, left my phone charger there because Florida sucks you in like a vortex. I know that's not how it's pronounced. And we head back after I get my charger Cross train tracks and literally there's a train coming at us there was no divider down saying don't cross here train coming i guess they just count on good old eyesight and your ability to beat something at the speed of a train and it's hard to beat train speed that's why the superman intro used to say faster than a locomotive because it's hard to be faster but in florida you gamble you gamble with your life and why not it's a good choice to do. Time to get into the news before the hotel collapses in on me. A lot happened this week. Parent saddles are actually a thing now, so society's getting much worse. Mashable reports. Something called Pony Up Daddy is a saddle specifically designed for kids to legit ride on their caregivers as though they were an animal. Like ride on your parent like they were a damn animal, a damn animal. For twenty four ninety nine, you can humiliate yourself in front of your children and let them ride you like you're a fucking dog. As UK Brain Trust, the trusty British bureau of this podcast, wrote on Twitter, I hope the sun swallows the earth sooner rather than later. Yeah, this story does make you lose faith in humanity. If you're a parent, um, God bless you. You sacrifice for your children. You try to give them the best life you can. Uh, if you ever let them ride your back for a few seconds to be fun, it's cute. You buy a fucking saddle to put on your back so your kid can, like, demand saddle rides like you're an elephant? You should quit life. It's not It's not an appropriate behavior. You got to stop. Diet Coke is changing things in drastic, drastic ways. After 35 years, America's number one selling zero-calorie beverage is entering a new era. 
as reported by the Daily Beast. And no, please relax. Call off the alarm dogs if that's a thing. The main Diet Coke, the original, is not being reformulated. You can unwind your panties. It will still be available across this, this great nation of ours. But with an updated look, sleek new packaging, they are debuting four, as they call them, bold new flavors. Trying to re-energize and modernize Diet Coke for a new generation of drinkers. Hooking us to poison one fake sugary drink at a time. The flavors are like mango, zesty mango, and and spicy cherry, and uh, funny lime. I don't. Those are not the actual names. Some of those flavors are correct, some are not. Um, but I'll be honest, I haven't drank soda properly in about three years. And I'm interested. The flavors look like they chose good ones. So they've kind of hooked me, and that shows you the effectiveness of marketing because it's horrible for you. It's just going to taste like fizzy chemical, but I want in, said a Coke executive. Quote, we're modernizing what has made Diet Coke so special for a new generation. The same unapologetic confidence still comes through. Okay, pause right there. Uh, who the fuck ever felt like they sipped Diet Coke and is like, unapologetically confident is the flavor. You can't even use a word like confidence for a drink. It doesn't have complex human attributes like confidence or fear. You can't say, this drink is no longer afraid. It is now ready to step out and be bolder. No, it's a beverage. It's made in a fucking lab. Don't be dumb. Quote continues, and the same great Diet Coke taste people love is here to stay, but we're making the brand more relatable and more authentic. You can't say you're making a brand more relatable and more authentic because it sounds very overt like you're controlling the brand. So you got to just say, I'm sh we're shifting the brand in hopes it's going to be more relatable to people. But you can't say, I'm intentionally making myself more authentic. Before, we were not very real. We were fake-ass bitches before, but now we're going to try to really be who our true Coke selves are. Trying to Coke up America in one of the two ways you can. And that's their MO. Annoying human elf tries to steal our weed. The Daily Beast reports not in those words, obviously. Attorney General Jeffrey Sessions, a tiny, tiny man, has pulled off something that would be unthinkable just a few years back. He has rallied Republican lawmakers behind weed. Smoke weed every day, you know what I'm saying? No, I, mean, I don't do that, but I'm saying it's a line from a song, Snoop Dogg song. Nate, Nate, Nate Dogg and Snoop, a lot of dogs encourage you to do that. Sessions announced Thursday he would be rescinding a policy from the Obama administration on account of they just want to do that all the time that had discouraged prosecutors in states where mar marijuana was legalized from bringing charges for marijuana-related crimes unless they involved distribution to minors, revenue sale benefiting gangs or cartels, and a few other important federal priorities. In place, federal prosecutors now would be given discretion to pursue marijuana-related prosecutions. Um, here's the thing. Uh, those reasons listed that Obama had, had encouraged them to prosecute were good reasons to prosecute because they could endanger people. Once you take those off the table, you're just trying to be a motherfucking buzzkill. And like, is this administration not buzzkill enough? If they were smart at all, Trump would call Sessions and say, look, tiny boy, I also don't use weed. I'm very uptight. You and I both very uptight people, okay? Don't know how to relax. Don't know how to relate to common folks. But we're doing so much fucked up shit in every other category. I think it would be smart if we... Let them get high, they would notice less of our bullshit. And that call did not happen, clearly. 
Because if it had, tiny little Sessions man would obviously do whatever his boss says on account of being super afraid of him because he's very small and Trump is very large. Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, called Sessions' policy the wrong decision while pledging to review any potential impacts. Governor Brian Sandoval, Republican of Nevada, told the Daily Beast he believed Nevada's marijuana industry is a model for other states. Bill Walker, the independent governor of Alaska, called the decision disappointing. Probably super high when he said that. Adding he was committed to upholding the will of Alaskans on this issue <laughs> and maintaining our state sovereign rights to manage our own affairs while protecting federal interests, bro. He was smoking during the quote. I'm assuming. Alaska became the third state to legalize recreational marijuana back in 2015. And if you can't get high in Alaska, when that's all, it's the only joy you have in life, it's dark days, cold, dark days with so much snow, they have 50 words for weed. If you're not allowed to do that, what is America? What good are we? So hopefully, that shit turns a corner and they rescind their move on that and stop, they rescind the rescinding. Sessions, of course, a longtime foe of looser marijuana laws on account of, if you're that tiny, one hit, you don't know how it's going to affect you. Being a little six-inch action figurine man. But, in a cruel twist of irony, not only are they trying to take away the weed, they're also trying to take away the munchies. Trump raid 7-Elevens, HuffPost reported. Immigration agents raided nearly 100 7-Eleven stores. That's 7-11s. Nationwide in a show of force. Quote, for the Trump administration, it's all about PR. They want to create the feeling that there's a new enforcement regime in town, one immigration expert said. Yeah, we get it, Trump. You're the president now, okay? You don't like immigrants. You want to get rid of immigrants from the country. You want to start at the most cliche place where sometimes brown people work, 7-11s. I get it. Reportedly, Trump jumped into the TV screen and tried to arrest Apu from Quickie Mart. So that is uh, a weird move because he's a cartoon and not a real person. Immigration agents arrived unannounced in nearly 11 stores before dawn Wednesday, interviewing employees and managers, serving auto notices, and arresting 21 workers. 100 stores, 21 workers. Not a great hit ratio, at least. But a pretty aggressive move for a guy who apparently cannot function. Wolf Book claims Trump incapable of functioning. His memory is going, and I can't remember the third thing, the Daily Beast reports. In the second excerpt that was released from Michael Wolff's new book, Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House, that is run by a very stable genius. The journalist paints a portrait of a President Trump who's increasingly repeating stories, cannot recognize old friends, and is viewed by his closest allies as incapable of functioning in his job. Also in the second excerpt published from Michael Wolff's new book, Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House that is functioning very well, led by a stable genius. The journalist paints a portrait of a President Trump who's increasingly repeating stories. Do you see what I did there? What the hell is Justin Timberlake doing? Everyone seems to be asking, including the Daily Beast. Allow me to read you from this very aggressively phrased article. Never mind the ridiculous rebranding as Man of the Woods, which is a moniker I should have taken years ago, by the way. Never mind that Justin Timberlake's reemergence as a brawny paper towel man pop star with all the backwoods ruggedness of a J. Crew catalog model. Snapple dapple that is hard and cold. At the exact same time. That the singer's next effort was going to be the, some stripped down country effort inspired by his Tennessee roots. Never mind the song 
The new song and video he released Friday, Filthy, contradicts literally everything he had been teasing about some sort of new direction. With all this pretentious build-up to his new album, the worst thing about Filthy is that it's a bad pop song. Damn, somebody wants to fuck Justin Timberlake, and it's the writer of this article. A lot of pent-up sexual frustration or sexual frustration if you say things really stupidly. If you say sings and things as well. Um, apparently in the video, Timberlake also dances with a, and maybe also wants to, like, maybe wants to fuck a robot or is telling the story of fucking a robot. Robots are in. We'll talk about them more later in the Thunder Round. But I think people got to lay off JT. Let him put out a bad song if he wants. We've got bigger fish to fry. Okay. He's at home hanging with Jessica Beale. He's busy. He's got a love life. He owns MySpace. And he is trying to revitalize that. Did he ever do anything with that, by the way? Did we, have we ever seen MySpace do shit after all that? I, I, I don't believe so. Bring us back to those glorious days of the top eight. Will you do it? I think Timberlake should replace Tom and look over his own shoulder and everybody's be everybody's first friend. That's what will get you back. Personal friendship with Justin Timberlake, even if he's now a man of the woods. Also, how can you be a man of the woods and own a tech company? Seems contradictory. Contradictory spelling. Bannon out at Breitbart. We talked at length last week about how the Fire and Fury book quoted Bannon as saying Trump is, you know, bananas and can't lead and is incompetent and old and can't remember shit and that his son had that treasonous meeting in Trump Tower that Trump probably also was part of when they brought him upstairs probably to Trump Tower. And the lines were drawn. And the Mercers who back Breitbart don't usually speak publicly, these super rich Republican donors, came out and spoke against Bannon and said they support Trump. Boom, next day, Bannon fired, resigned, which basically is just a way to say we're going to kick you out the motherfucking house. You don't give us some paper being like, we, I'm out on my own volition just to let you save motherfucking face. I don't know why I sweared so much right there, and I apologize. But it's good. Bannon's losing his power. He's still got his new serious satellite radio show that hopefully no one's listening to, but they are. But at least he's not controlling of a, in control of a huge news publication website now. So that's at least something. A last-ditch hope for net neutrality. It's not over yet, folks. Congress still has a little bit of time to overturn the horrible decision to get rid of net neutrality that the Republican Congress decided to, or so far has decided not to overturn after the FCC voted 3-2 to two to overturn the Internet being free and a free flow of information instead allowing big corporations to fuck people super hard if they don't like the content they're putting out. And so there's one other way we can save net neutrality. It's on a state-by-state basis. States want to protect the regulations on their own some. On Wednesday, a California lawmaker introduced a bill that would reinstate net neutrality protections on a local level. The bill comes weeks after a federal communications commission the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, not AFCC, there are not many of them, repealed net neutrality rules, as I just said a moment ago. The California Public Utilities Commission, though, has a great strategy. They own the polls that don't get knocked down by crazy drivers as often as they do here in Florida, on which many telecom companies attach their broadband devices. They hook them up there. So the bill sponsored by State Senator Scott Weiner, great name, great Weiner, Scott, would block telecoms companies from state, their state-granted right to attach their small cell or other broadband wireless communications devices to utility poles unless they agreed to uphold their old net neutrality commitments. 
the bill, backed by 11 Democrats. And oh, surprise, no Republicans. Weird, huh? How like on every issue, Republicans seem to be on the side of big business, even though they claim to be the party of the people, and they call the Democrats the party of liberal elites. Then how come the liberal elites are always defending the common man, and the Republicans are always... I'm just putting this together right now, but the Republicans are always defending the rich people. God, I wonder if they're lying and presenting themselves in a way they are not. Oh, man, more in on that in future weeks because that's a realization that is the whole premise of this podcast, basically. It's not salsa to entertain you in lovely ways, but that's been a through-line point I'm trying to make. Republican people in the country, great people. Republican lawmakers, selfish dicks, oftentimes, most of the time. So the bill, backed by 11 Democrats, would also block government contracts with ISPs or Internet service providers that did not practice net neutrality. Quote, net neutrality is essential to our 21st century democracy, Wiener said in a hot dog-shaped press release. And it's hard. You just got to roll it up like a, like a scroll. Immediately after the FCC's December vote, Washington lawmakers unveiled a bipartisan-backed bill that would ban ISPs from creating Internet fast lanes. That's Washington State, not Washington, D.C. lawmakers within Congress. Or maybe it is Washington, D.C. lawmakers. It's not actually clear here, but it certainly was not the FCC, and certainly was not Republicans in Congress. But this bipartisan-backed bill would ban them from creating fast lanes, unequal Internet speeds that favor certain websites while throttling other content. And the only non-dismaying part of that sentence, if it resulted in the opposite outcome, is the word throttling, lovely word. Really exciting. The bill also requires ISPs to publicly disclose, disclose their internet speeds and prices. In a Wednesday tweet ahead of introducing his net neutrality bill, Wiener fired back. Yep, the Wiener fired right at you. Wiener shot out at the FCC threats. Quote, we'll protect a free and open internet in our state. The tweet from the Wiener said, quote, we won't let the FCC undermine our democracy. Nice move. I mean, finally, a dick standing up for something. Golden Globes happened a few days ago. Everybody wore black, except that one chick that wore red. Got people very upset. And by chick, I mean respected woman who made her own choice to wear red. And either I'm in support of it or not in support of it, depending what will make women not mad at me for saying it. And uh, it was a beautiful award show, actually. It was really beautiful. I thought that it made a beautiful point. I love the shift, honestly, of the focus from the hashtag being Me Too to being the progression of it to Time's Up. Because as we talked in the episode a few weeks ago with Nikki Glaser, more important, it seems, than punishing people for everything that they did wrong in the past is saying no more. Time's Up, a new standard in town. I think that's beautiful. And it was capped lovely by Natalie Portman, favorite of mine, as you may know, capping on the state of the industry when she was announcing the nominees for Best Director, and she said the all-male nominees. And, uh, ooh, right into a nice moment in their lives, and they felt quite humiliated. And then a man won, and good for men. Men are still things, and are allowed to still have things and win things. But I do like the idea that women get more opportunities, and they can be more women winning things as well, along with men. Shouldn't all be wieners making FCC bashing tweets. Sometimes it can be vaginas as well. And I think I've made that point very clear. Of course, Oprah gave an amazing speech speaking about this movement and also um, basically announcing a run for president. 
not really, but she was so inspiring, such a beautiful speech, that even in my drunken state watching the award show, I was moved. Not to tears, but to pausing, sipping. And that's a lot when you got a good drunk going on. Um, in all for realness, Oprah really was inspiring, always is, and seemed like the counterpoint to Donald Trump in every way, in essence, in gender, in vibe, in poise, in inspiration, in ability to not look like he's turning into a ham sandwich. She didn't do that at all. And everybody immediately said, Oprah for president. Seth MacFarlane, though, speaking out against it, white man, has got his opinion on Twitter, said, even though Oprah's, of course, inspiring, do we really want to make the presidency all about celebrity now and never let people who've led, led a life of public service become president again? And I replied, Seth, dearest Seth, I agree with you. It's not great that experience in politics is becoming the norm, but let's fix that in 2024. Let's let 2020 be stopping the orange monster from eating our entire country. And if that's to be done with another celebrity to counter his celebrity power, so be it. Japanese astronaut bad at math. A Japanese astronaut says sorry after claiming he grew 3.5 inches aboard the International Space Station, CNN reports. Do I have water right there? I do. How exciting. This Japanese athlete, not athlete, astronaut, similar things. Astronauts are kind of athletes in the sky that don't score points, and it's a lot easier to jump higher. Oh, water is tasty. This podcast brought to you by water. Without it, you'd die. So drink us, motherfuckers. Japanese astronaut Norishige Kanai apologized Wednesday for suggesting he claimed 3.5 inches aboard the International Space Station in just three weeks. He's there for six months, but just three weeks in, he said he had important news and tweeted. By the way, can you believe you can fucking tweet from the, from the, from the, from the from, from, from outer space? Is there one place we, we cannot be addicted to these devices? But I guess not. Quote, I got my body measured after arriving in space. Surprise, surprise. I was grown by nine centimeter only in three weeks. First time since my junior high high school days. I'm a bit worried I can fit into my seat and Soyuz on the way back to Earth. <laughs> be trapped on account of growing. But apparently was mis mismeasured and mismeasured. Drastically only grew 0.78 inches or two centimeters. Much more reasonable. And it's not permanent growth that happens. Your spinal cord and your spinal discs just separate and uh, get distance between them. And then it makes it, um, uh, it makes yourself elongated. And when you come back to Earth, you do shrink back eventually after like a few months. Um, sad to report your penis does not grow in outer space on account of your penis doesn't have a spine. So that makes it difficult. But he was spreading fake news and he apologized the following day thus keeping his astronautical reputation intact. And I apologize to him for reporting the story. It just seemed like a big story to share. And in retrospect, it was actually regular-sized. Republicans feuding with Trump again, the New York Times reports. Mr. Trump convened Tuesday's session to address the fate of young undocumented immigrants. He had a rare televised negotiation meeting with Democrats and Republicans in the cabinet room in the White House, and uh, seemed open to discussion, which was nice, but also misunderstood everything. Diane Feinstein said, can we just do a DACA bill now, a clean DACA bill, and then do a comprehensive immigration reform right after? Trump says, that sounds good to me. Absolutely, we can do that. And then the next moment, I think it was uh, 
Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Whip or some shit, said, uh, "No, but 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 we need to make sure that it comes with immigration security." funding as well and building the wall and trump says that's basically what you said i believe and then he's like no that's not what she said and she's like no it's not what i said he's like that's what i said it is and or it may not be and the next day rescinded and flipped around a million times more um they're trying to figure out how to shield the young undocumented immigrants known as dreamers from deportation while also limiting family-based family-based migration where you can uh be sponsored by a family member who's already in the country trump wants to end the diversity Visa lottery system, maybe instead of replacing it with a merit-based system. That part I don't mind. I'd like to get the top of the top coming in here and improving border security. But the next day, prominent House Republicans stepped forward with a vision of immigration policy that clashed aggressively with President Trump's and is trying to be – is at least publicly attempting to be bipartisan – um, the proposal, championed by the chairman of the House Judiciary and Homeland Security Committees, would crack down on illegal immigration and sharply reduce the number of legal immigrants to the United States. Just one day after this meeting, quote, this is the only bill that's going to unify the conference and it's going to get us to a majority of the conference, said Representative Raul R. Labrador, Republican from Idaho and an actual Labrador. Because dogs are now in the Senate and honestly have better, cleaner reputations than a lot of actual human members of the Senate and members of the Congress because he's a representative and not a senator. But a dog, yes, he is. You better damn believe it. He's a black Labrador retriever. And a member of the conservative House Freedom Caucus who participated in Tuesday's White House meeting. But the House measure put forth by a group that includes two committee chairmen. Judiciary's Robert W. Goodlatte, an absurd name that makes me thirsty, of Virginia and Homeland Security's Michael McCall of Texas was far more expansive. It would require employers to use an internet-based system known as E-Verify to confirm they're hiring only legal workers, crack down on so-called sanctuary cities by denying them federal grants, and allow for the detention of minors who are arrested at the border with their parents. Tough in sentences for criminals who've been deported and then returned illegally. That I'm all for. That last one. Not no one wants criminals here. We can agree on that. But just to give you an example of how all over the damn place Trump is every day, here's a reminder of Trump's flip flopping on this issue, and as he does on most all issues during the 2016 presidential campaign, Trump vowed in a speech that August to quote immediately terminate DACA upon becoming president, and that anyone entering illegally would be subject to deportation. After he won the election, that folly walked back that hardline position and said, quote, we're going to work something out for Dreamers. Reiterated in April 2017, they'd be allowed to stay and should, quote, rest easy. On September 5, he ended the program. So resting easy, I guess hoping they'd fall asleep and then be easier to deport in their dreams. Because you, you, you get deported in your dreams, you just think you're floating away to a lovely place. You wake up and you're back in your country that you didn't want to be in in the first place. At times, Trump's reversals happened in the course of one day, like just this Tuesday during that bipartisan meeting. He said he was willing to sign any deal worked out by Democrats and Republicans. Quote, I mean, I will be signing it. I'm not going to say, oh, gee, I want this or I want that. But by Tuesday night on Twitter, he declared exactly what he wanted. Our country needs the security of the wall on the southern border, which must be part of any DACA approval. But you said you'd sign any deal that had to do with DACA. 
and all of a sudden you need that wall. You're going to get that wall as quick as you can just do the DACA thing, and the DACA protection will expire very soon. So it's disconcerting how the president does not seem to know, what, not even like what, what respect or, or a decent way to speak is, but also like what thoughts are and how to hold to them for a moment straight, which makes it difficult to believe in what he says because he doesn't have the ability to continue thoughts straight up. On Wednesday, he gave contradictory stances in a matter of seconds. He affirmed that he would be open to signing just about any immigration deal, but asked to be willing to sign a deal that does not include the border wall funding. Literally seconds later said, no, 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 it's got to include the wall. So any deal, but only the specific deal that I want with the very difficult to achieve thing, which is the wall. Oh, that's two different things, homie. Driverless car loses steering wheel. CNN reports while careening into a ditch. General Motors self-driving division, Cruise Automation, no relation to Tom Cruise, the founder of the Hoveround, or Tom Cruise, the short actor, has released a new autonomous vehicle that has no steering wheel or any other manual controls. Cruise hopes the modified Chevy Bolt will be tested and then serve in ride-hailing services. All other autonomous vehicles thus far have included a wheel and manual controls, but this one has no accelerator, no brake pedals, no steering wheel. What could go wrong? There are just multiple screens that you can touch in frustration as you die. How is there not going to be a wheel to override that shit? You're going to get into a car? Would you get into a car that is self-driving, that has literally no way to override it? Tell me, at Ben Glebe on the Twitter. And it's a good time for me to mention that because it's time to check in with the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the big Glebers and all of us, the Glebe Squad, the Glebe Nation, the G-Squad. It's time for Twitter answers. I asked the Brain Trust, what is a small thing that you regret? Not a big life thing, just something where you're like, damn, I should have done or not done that. At Kelly Clicker says, not trying pecan pie until I was in my 30s. Because let's face it, it looks gross. A cold, brown, gray goo pie. But it's pretty delicious and healthy as shit. Okay, I agree that pecan pie is delicious. Is it healthy? If that's a fact, I'm about to go me on a pecan pie-focused diet. Like immediately. John Holowich, the hologram, replied, not putting my boots back in my trunk last week. Snow sucks. Oh, man, you got snow boots now, though. Snow boots expensive. Put your feet in that snow. Feel the snow. Make a little snowman with your toes. A little miniature snowman. Toe, toe, toe man. I'm dumb, and I'm sorry that you have to go through that, John. Maybe you can up your hologram skills this week and not have to wear shoes because hologram you don't need a shoe if you're hologram think about it why would you Gabrielle Mag replies not getting you that drink I promised you if you came to do a show in New Orleans listen you don't have to get me a drink you got me a a mug that you had specifically made that says Glebe Squad on the mug I was so touched by that gift I have it on display in my house so you good you very sweet Legendary great comedian Jeff Cesario wrote, at, by the way, at real Jeff Cesario, follow him, should have caught a game at Lambeau when I lived in Wisconsin. Yeah, you never went to a game at Lambeau Field? Man, you live in a place with a classic place. You got to go to that place before that place gets erased. 
man, I'm good at rhyming sometimes. And it takes shit to the next level. And a lot of you are like, damn, none of the other podcast hosts I listen to rhyme at all. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And you're welcome. Tony Parisi at CES. How did you get that handle? Or is it at Aura Deluxe? It's one of the two. I, in fact, didn't include Tony's comment here. Just at Aura Deluxe said, NSFW, your regret is not suitable for work. And I feel you on that. As my only few regrets as well are definitely in the sexual realm. Lisa Kember says, my first husband was a small regret. He was pretty small. Oh, Snapple Dapple. I told you you shouldn't have married Jeff Sessions in the first place. Triple Snap. Kathy Hecker says, I regret not buying two packs of devil dogs. And I hear you on that. It's difficult when you realize that you didn't buy the dogs you wanted, the devilish dogs. Um, I could sympathize more or empathize more if I knew what devil dogs were. What are devil dogs? Kathy Hecker at Aaron and Sam's mom. What are devil dogs who are Aaron and Sam? Confusing to me. John Justin, shutting out a friend as opposed to accepting his flaws. I hear that, but you also sometimes have to do that. You should give friends many opportunities, many chances to make it up to you, many third, fourth, fifth chances, but sometimes you do have to cut a friend out if they're a complete destructive force. I had to do that once in the last year. No, in the last, yeah, in the last year, one time. From friend I've been a friend of mine a long time, but he just kept being a level of dick to me that was unacceptable, and he was bringing me down. Couldn't accept it. Couldn't do it anymore. So I cut it out. Feel better about it. My life's easier. So many chances, of course, but sometimes you got to stand up for yourself and have boundaries. At Woodstock, but with two zeros in the middle, says when I was in the service, I went to Japan a few times. I shot down every request to have sushi because gross. Ended up trying it when I was 30 and now wished I hadn't been so obstructionist to the sushi recommendations. Firstly, thank you for your service. It's amazing to protect our nation. We need people like you so desperately. Selfless people who defend us. And I'm so sorry you did not in the land of sushi experience the joy that is sushi food. Fresh, raw fish. It makes you feel any better. I have heard from people that have been to Japan. I've never been. Sushi there is kind of weird. Not quite the same as sushi here, but also they say it's pretty amazing and pure in different ways. And if you like it now, you probably would have liked to do it. But here's the good news. You can go back to Japan one day and have sushi or go to sushi here, maybe smoke a little weed, pretend you're in Japan. You got a lot of options, that's the point. Kelly Tolk said, left with the singer instead of being a good friend and not ditching her after the concert. Um... I don't think a good friend has to always go home with their friends. You can make sure you find your friend. Tell her, uh, yo, the lead singer of this band wants to hook it down. Mind if you get an Uber home and I go home with this guy? And any good friend should support you in that. So I wouldn't be too upset about it. Uh, unless your friend like got kidnapped that day and you never saw her again. Is she still holding a grudge? Tell me more information. At Ketork. Ketork on the Twitter is what Kelly's thing is and at clancy's corner says his big regret of a small thing is he wished he had taken viagra before a threesome i hear that dog i hear that i never had that issue but because you know it works great downstairs but i did one time in college cancel a threesome because one of the two girls was under the weather and called me and said i i don't know if i can do it today i'm not feeling great i think we can cancel it 
and uh, reschedule it. And I should have re- – she's like, I'll still come. We can – I'll just like make out a little bit. And I should have realized that she was just nervous and wasn't actually sick. I should have kept it on the books. But I, I decided to go ahead and cancel it in hopes of a more thorough threesome. And, uh, of course, it never got back on the books. And to this day, I regret that moment. I also a little bit regret sharing that moment right now on the podcast. But I try to be as honest as I can with you guys about my foibles, my interests, and the moments that I've let myself down. Of course, uh, the Laugh It Off tour has begun. Tampa right now. Next weekend in Tahoe at Harvey's Hotel and Casino at the Improv there. The week after, January 24th through 27th, I'll be in Chicago at Zany's. Indio, February 9th and 10th, near Palm Springs. After that, going to Boston, Dallas, Plano, Washington, D.C. I think I'll be announcing a date there soon as well. Uh, San Diego, the La Jolla Comedy Store. A lot of dates coming out. Go to BenGlebe.com. Get your tickets right now if you can. Hashtag Laugh It Off Tour. And on that note, ending this podcast in just a few short minutes, it's time for the Thunder Round. Don't break your penis. The Sun reported many of these stories given to me by the at UK Brain Trust British Bureau of this fine podcast. Chris Carter, uh, he pointed me in the direction of a story. He said, don't break your penis. While many think breaking your penis is an urban legend, it can actually happen in real life. Oh, no, I feared this. I feared this was the worst. Apparently, there are certain positions that increase the likelihood of intimate breakage. So apparently, you can break your penis. You can get a penile fracture, which sounds absolutely horrendous. It can be caused by rapid blunt force to an erect penis. And uh, it says here which positions are the most likely to have that happen. The top three... And I was stunned by this. The first one is doggy style. Second one is missionary ma- uh, man on top. Third one is missionary woman on top. I can't believe it. Only time I'm ever scared of that is woman on top missionary style because she's bouncing up and down on you. You don't have control. She doesn't have your dick attached to her body. She doesn't know the ins and outs like you do. I mean, it's the ins and outs she doesn't know at the moment, but you understand my point. It's not her appendage. It's yours. She's hopping up and down. What if she hops too high? comes down and just smashes that thing like a slinky or a or a or a or a sender named Wiener. What is one to do? I can't believe that's the third most likely. That's the only time where I'm like, all right, that's a great position, it's fun, I get to rest and be a little lazy, but like please just don't go all the way to the top. Try to be aware of like going two thirds and then coming back down. Be a little cautious when hopping up on that dick, up and down. This is a political podcast. You see that point? It's, it covers a lot. It's not just politics. It's everything. Please tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoy getting your news and weird stories all in this one pod. I'd love to get more numbers, get more people up. You can listen to it on Spotify nowadays if you didn't know that. Apple Music, Apple Casts, iTunes, Podcast App, Stitcher App, SoundCloud. A lot of ways, but please subscribe, rate, and review if you're a listener and you've never rated and reviewed on iTunes, please do it so we can get our ratings back up now that the podcast is popping every week again. And we have just two more stories, and this podcast will be one for the record books. Ruse can be sexy, too, the Sun reported. There was a very racy kangaroo lying, reclining, with a sultry face and his legs crossed in front of the bathrooms at the John Forrest National Park in Perth, Australia. I'm frightened, personally, of kangaroos. Um, I will post on lastweekonearth.com as the picture for this week, the photo of the Rue reclining. Uh, 
frightened of Ruse until this very moment, when I looked into its eyes and felt sexual thoughts that I'd never thought before. Would I make love to a kangaroo? No. Would I do other stuff with him? You bet your, you bet your bottom dollar. Uh, I'd like to also now clarify that I'm joking. They're frightening, not attracted to animals, and kangaroos are between four feet nine inches tall when they stand up to six feet nine inches and they punch you. So, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit so much. Uh, and also, the rude didn't even look sexy to me. I was just trying to act as though I was embracing of rude sexuality, and I'm actually not, re- not ready for that. Somebody really wanted some wine. RT.com reported a drunken man in northwest Russia stole an armored vehicle. What did he do with it? Go on a rampage? No. Crashed it into a shop window and just stole a bottle of wine. One bottle of wine in the town of Apatiti. It's, I guess it's a town you move to if you have an appetite for titty. But I got to be honest with you. If you're going to steal a, steal a tank, do something big. You don't steal a tank and then steal one bottle of wine. Steal all the wine. Put it in the tank. Drive home. Of course, you're going to be arrested in minutes, but you can at least stock up that wine supply. Put it in your downstairs basement. How are you going to break into a wine shop and steal one bottle? That's just foolhardy and uh, doesn't make economic or life sense because now you're in jail and what'd you get for it? A $2 bottle of two-buck chuck? Wine's cheap, man. It's a, it's a mistake. I admire the balls of it. Honestly, I do. It's a little bit varsity blues-ish stealing the cop car. But you always get caught. Those are vehicles with great tracking and hard to hide. Unless you had some kind of a huge tarp, which honestly you're not. You're drunk on cheap wine now. You're going to leave it parked in your front lawn and deal with it in the morning. And before that morning comes, you're going to be in prison. But hey, it's a great... I admire the gumption of it. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been a whirlwind. I have to do my shows in Florida now. Um, more shows. Side Splitters Comedy Club. Hopefully, I uh, do not get attacked by bath salt-fueled zombies. Hopefully, uh, you all are well and can avoid anywhere too close to Florida's borders. It's the best way to remain safe. Protect yourselves and each other. Until last week, next week, this has been Last Week on Earth. Traveling in a fight On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You better run, you better take cover This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.